Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. We are podcasting live from Insights, uh, the Dayforce Ceridian User Conference, and I use the slash because Ceridian is becoming Dayforce. They've got the brand out. I think it becomes official in January, but it is. there's just an electricity about this particular conference. I've been to Insights probably 12, 15 times, and this is the best one yet. And I love the fact that you're rebranding. I love the font. Yeah. So I mean, I just love everything about it. So, Denebra, would you do us a favor? Sure. In- introduce yourself. Absolutely. My name is Denebra McClendon. I'm the Global Head of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at the amazing Dayforce. Right. I love that. Now you, if I think, if I remember correctly, you help both with uh, Dayforce. I'll say Ceridian Dayforce. We'll just use the <laughs> synonyms until it's a it's official. Until it's official. official. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you help both internally. You help with the 9,000 employees plus yep. and make sure that we're, we're on the right path. But do you also kind of help with customers or I kind do. of give, give some guidance there as well? Yeah. So I, I really do work uh, closely with our customer partners on any questions that they have about building out their DEI strategies, some best practices, recommendations for, you know, making sure that their strategies are sustainable. Right. Um, DEI is pretty new to a lot of organizations, and sometimes HR professionals are, are given the responsibilities right. of taking on, you know, multiple tasks. Yeah, it's and a hot potato. Here it you go. is. Good it luck. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 for no people, training, for no people, budget. Right, for people who aren't really familiar with that, it, it just sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming. A hundred percent. Yeah. And what I've seen is sometimes people get promoted in that position, and there's no training. 100%. It's like, yeah. okay, you yeah. know, uh, tag your it or, or, you know, like who's around that we know that might even know a little bit about the subject, tag your it. Now you have the position. There might not be a budget. There might not be a strategy. Yeah. They're not, and there's no training. It's, it's like, oh no, by the way, there's no metrics. It's like, good luck at doing your job. It is. Yeah. The top three, I think, uh, concerns that I hear from customers are people, money, and resources. Right. Like, that, that's their biggest constraints, specifically when we're talking about how do I make DEI more pronounced in my organization? I don't have the time. I don't have the people. Right. I don't have the money, right? right? So we talk to them about how to maximize their existing resources, how to galvanize those champions within the organization, and how to not think about DEI as something separate. If it really is part of what you do, if, it, if it's in the heart of your organization, yeah. making your organization more inclusive and more diverse, then it doesn't have to be separate. It's right. everywhere. It's being able to see where it is, amplify where it is, and then leverage those existing resources in those areas. Last year when we talked, we were, I felt like people were getting it and it came out of a lot of pain, mm-hmm. you know, uh, from Me Too, Love is Love, Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, etc. Yeah. Like a lot of really, really painful social movements that kind of coalesced into like we actually have a problem we should do something check and there's some there seemed like at least on an uptick in the year the interim year kind of feel like DEI is under attack yeah it is and, and I, it definitely feels like it's under attack and but that's because it is um i think it comes down to prioritizations for organizations right where do people prioritize this work um and again i think it's because they see it as something nice to have or right. something and when you're talking about organizations who just may be struggling to keep the lights on, um, programs like anything related to DEI right. automatically get cut. Right. I saw a statistic a couple of weeks ago that said people, about 65% of the people who took these roles on in the DEI space, you know, two or three years ago, 
they're, they're having to do something different now where they're taking on additional responsibilities in order to keep their jobs within their organizations. And it does come down to, are, are we really, uh, as organizations, are we really going to be committed right. um, to, to following through with some of the promises that we made? Promises sound really great at sound bites, but are we really willing to do the work? And, and in a lot of cases, the answer is no. And the work is hard. Yeah. So I, know, I think the ruling in the United States around affirmative action mm-hmm. And the, uh, the college admissions thing as well. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like we're taking steps backwards. I think we are. We you know are. What I'm I, I would have to agree with you. I think we are taking steps backwards. I think, but what it does is it pronounces that there's so much work to be done. That's right. Because um, as we as we think about legislation and as we think about how can we integrate some best practices, we have to get to the root of the problem. I often I often use a quote from Angela Davis, right? You have to disturb the root if you expect different fruit from the tree, right? <laughs> so if, until we can get to the real root of these systemic issues, mm-hmm. we'll never be able to change the mindset in order for us to really propel in this space. Right. Um, how do we do that? We really have to start looking at our own selves and then figure out how can we be true advocates and allies, right, for the work that needs to be done. We've got generations and hundreds of years of work to do and yep. to, like to repair, undo, undo yep. right, yep. in order for us to really, really grow and become better, better humans. I think it's it would would if there is a silver lining to this retrench or going backwards, is we're going to find out who is just who is just making uh, noise. Noise. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to say something else, but yes, I'm glad you said noise. Uh, you know, it separates the pretenders. From the people that really, it's in their heart. Yeah, it is. And it's and it's and if that's what it takes mm-hmm. to separate that out, like I remember a lot of people, especially initially in the COVID, uh, or even even back to love is love, they'd start to go to HBCUs mm-hmm. the first time, and it's like this is the first time they discovered that there was HBCUs, right? And I'm like, you know, this is a long term strategy. First of all, this isn't a you go to their college fair and then all of a sudden they're like amazed that you're you're there. Somehow they they, they they want to join your firm. Yeah. This is a long term investment. Absolutely with, it is. With something like that. I laugh because I attended an HBC, <laughs> right? Well, you, and you I, know what I'm talking I about. I can tell you nobody was knocking on our door. Like <laughs> like I it, it's, I attended Bethune Cutman University, mm-hmm. which is a small college down in Daytona Beach, and nobody was knocking on the door yeah. looking for us. They they just weren't. Right. Now, uh, right around the corner was University of Central Florida. And in Orlando, and everybody was knocking on their doors. Right, right. So, so my school has been in existence for over 112 years. We just had our Founders Day, and again, people didn't even know that we were there. Right. So, so yeah, it, it, we have to move beyond the, you know, the sound bites and what are we doing for social media or what makes us look good. Right. Um, temporarily. Um, people were pouring funding into four HBCUs. Well, guess what? There are over a hundred of us oh, out yeah. there. Oh yeah. Um, and many of us never saw that. Many of our schools never saw. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. So oh. then you get to the root of the. Well, why. we're gonna go to we're gonna Morehouse. Yeah. Morehouse is fantastic. Morehouse. Yeah. Howard. Hellman, Howard. Right. Yeah. Great. That Done. was it. Done. That was it. Check. Check, Check it off. <laughs> um, again. Um, so so little schools like mine, twenty five hundred strong. Right. You know, Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune never had an idea that you know. HBCUs would still be going on. I, I think we still need them very much so. And I think right. organizations need to recognize that there's plenty of talent out there. We just have to broaden our scope of how we're looking for talent. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And again, make the investment, make the long-term investment, like yeah. build a part, a true partnership yeah. with with a college. like And, and look, being in for the long haul. 
100%. That's one of the things that we do. And I'm so proud of the work that we get to do at Ceridian Day Force. And and that is we invest where we really, really want to see the growth in those spaces. Right. So so we work closely with our HBCUs. Um, We work closely internally. I think people forget that you don't necessarily need to take your message, take your programs outside of your own organizations. Right. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to get into this, but one As of the programs no, no, well, the I'm super proud of is our Achieving Corporate Equity Program, our ACE program. Yep. I, it is really designed for what we're calling underrepresented minorities. Right. And oftentimes people think underrepresented minorities mean black, Hispanic, or right, Latino. Right, right. It's not limited there, it's right? Limited. It, there's so many people who can benefit. Women benefit. People of the LGBTQ2 plus community yep. benefit. We open it up and we say, listen, at, at Ceridian, if you feel as if you are a a minority amongst a, a, a larger group, right. this program is for you. We we, we yeah. design the program to amplify careers. We encourage things like executive sponsorships. Our executives are bought in and they recognize that because people are often marginalized, they don't get opportunities. Our goal is to identify what barriers they have within our own company, and then we need to remove them. So we're going into our third court right now, and we've had some amazing success stories out of there. So when you're asked the, the difference uh, similarities between equity and equality, mm-hmm. what's what's kind of your, your typical response? Yeah, very simple, right? Equity is really about giving people exactly what they need. Understanding right. that we all start off from a different perspective, different right. points right, in life, and there, there's just some things that equality won't solve. Right. Equality won't solve it all, right? What we understand is that, you know, there are some areas where equality is absolutely critical, right? You need equal work for equal pay. Right. But we absolutely have to understand that we're talking about creating equity. It means taking into consideration the totality of the person, um, what they bring into the workplace, what they bring. Because we tell people all the time, bring your authentic self to work, right? (laughs) you don't want that. You don't want that. Are we we prepared to support what that looks like? The answer is probably not. Probably not. Every time someone said that to me, I'm like, you don't ha- realize how dark my brain is. Listen, <laughs> you don't. You don't want the whole me so there. We, Maybe eighty percent. We should be saying, bring your authentic work self to there work. There you go. Right? Yeah. Your authentic professional work <laughs> self to work. Hundred percent. So, a few disclaimers there, but I think <laughs> we have to, as an organization, we have to be able and to be prepared to support people, right? right holistically on on who they are and what they bring, and that requires, you know, creating these equitable spaces. Right. We, we understand that there are traumas, dramas and stressors that people bring into the workplaces that people like me who started off at historically black colleges yeah. may not have had an opportunity to meet with recruiters who are only looking for those Ivy League schools. Oh, or yeah. Even from the black colleges, the Morehouse, the Spellmans and the Howards. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I we cho- don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. No. I chose the school that I chose to because of family legacy. Right. right. I was third generation in, in that school. My daughter is now fourth generation there. So uh, it, legacy was important to me. So recruiters don't necessarily care about that. They they look for what they, they do at for. Harvard. They yeah. do right. So yeah. what what exactly? So <laughs> so so what we need to do is be really diligent about creating equity within our own organizations. Right? How do we teach people what success looks like? What are we looking for? And then how do we teach leaders how to be um, intentional about creating these workplaces of inclusion? So I've seen a lot of my friends that work in DEI rebrand themselves either purposely or, or whatever as a reaction to some of this attack is inclusion. Mm-hmm. So they've taken some of the other parts of that out because and I've, I've, I've talked to them about it. So I've like, what, why, why'd your title change? It's like, what's, what's going on, man? And, uh, and they're like, 
It's a defensible position. It is. No one can fight against inclusion. Mm -hmm. They can fight about other stuff, yeah. but they, you know, they can't fight inclusion. Inclusion is like, we want everybody, we want every customer, right? Yeah. Well, we want everybody included, right? And it, it's more of a defensible position. Now that, I think, first of all, it kind of, it kind of, kind of kills me a little bit, mm -hmm. kind of crushes my soul just a little bit. Yeah. However, I kind of understand the logic. Do you, do you see some of that? I, I absolutely do. And I agree with you. I think it's a defensible position. I think, but whenever you have to change the message, yeah. I mean, maybe you do. You have to change the message to, to meet the people that you're trying to meet. Right. And I caution you on making sure that you don't change the intent behind the work that we're doing. 100%. Right? So if, if you have to rebrand yourself as something different in order to draw the people in, do that. Right. Remember the reason why we're here. Right. Right? And creating more diverse workplaces, maybe that makes people feel uncomfortable. And I think that's because they... they, they they lean heavily into their own ignorance of what diversity means. 100%. Right? Because 100%. In, in all aspects, we are all diverse. That's right. And we should encourage that diversity in thought, right? Diversity in, in um, leadership. Right. Diversity in learning, right? Our own personal beliefs, things that our worldviews are diverse, that's what's going to make us more innovative or more creative. 100%. But I think if everything's the same, how do you get innovative? Absolutely. How do you innovate? Right. So in order for us to really get to that place where we are taking the necessary action to build workplaces of inclusion, we have to be intentional about bringing in different people. Turns out. Absolutely. How do you keep a pulse on your, the employees and kind of what's going on, what's working, what's not working, you know, programmatically, okay, we tried this, maybe that didn't work, you know, which is a part of, to me, it's a part of the, the experimentation too. You try some yeah. things, you roll out a program and you think, this is great. Let's do this deal. And it just doesn't work, yeah. which is a part of it, right? Um, and I saw early on with my friends that within the DEI um, that they were afraid to experiment. And I would tell them as a recovering marketer, I'm like, hey, man, this is just a game of experimentation. Try some stuff. It doesn't work out. Change. And they're like, man, you don't understand the pressure. I'm like, yeah, the, I don't care about the pressure. Mm -hmm. Just try stuff. And you have to, like, you have to be willing to do things differently. Right. I am 100% always open to recommendations, suggestions, and ideas. This is not Denubra equity and inclusion, <laughs> right? Right. Oh, you're the D. I'm, I'm the D. The I'm, D. I'm the D in the DEI. <laughs> at least sometimes I think <laughs> I am. Oh, right? that's genius. But, but it really does come down to, are we giving people what they need? Right. And if you give people what they need in order to do that, you have to ask them. You have to talk to them. Try. And you have to be willing to take the feedback and to take the feedback honestly. I fail often, I fail forward, right? right? And, and, and that is part of it. I think any good idea probably started from several bad ideas. 100%. Um, but we have to be willing to be brave and be courageous in that, in the, in that space. It's almost like if, if you're not failing, you're not trying. Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So what is the, what's, what's similar or different from the, the board and the rest of the executive team in terms of what, what they need from you? Yeah. You know, for, in terms of reporting and, and things like that. You are a publicly traded company, so you got different pressures that I'm not we do. super <laughs> super uh, involved in. But but I but I understand that they're going to have needs from you, mm -hmm. uh, either conversationally or otherwise. What is is that similar or different than it was a couple of years ago? Like what what do they need from you? Adapting adapting equity into the Ceridian core values really kind of help amplify the work that I get to do here. Right. Right. So what that means is that not only do we establish some some key performance indicators, but we also establish real life goals that we share publicly in our ESG report. We're sharing these goals. We're reporting on them, and we are holding each other accountable for those goals. So one of our goals is to achieve gender parity in the executive leadership suite. 
So I'm working really closely with our recruitment team. How are things going? And even beyond that, we're working closely with leaders who are doing the hiring. Um, we've taken it a step further, not further, to say, listen, not only are we going to ask that you bring in these diverse slates in order for us to hit some of these goals, right? But I want you to help me to identify trends where you're finding or you're getting resistance from people who are finding it really difficult to step right. outside of the box. Right. So it's, it's constantly communication, constant education, but then even more on that, it's conversations. Right. Right. So our board of directors are they're asking, hey, how are we looking? Are we monitoring this information? Right. Are we monitoring who we're bringing in? Are, are we doing our due diligence and setting a good example? And then how do we help to cascade the importance of the message down to the rest of the organization? So I've had uh, some of my friends together, they, they got into DI. And, and uh, I had a call, this is probably about a month ago or so. And she was like, William, especially with some of the attacks on, on DI, mm. I, you know, she, she's like, I don't, I don't, the business, the, the C-suite, I'm, I'm like fighting every day. It's, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm going to lose my job, this, that, and the other. And I said, well, is it a part of your core values? And you've said this, I think, twice now. Mm -hmm. And I said, is it a part of your core values? And she goes, no. I said, start looking for a new job. Absolutely. Because you can't change it. Mm -mm. If it's not a part of your core values, you can't change it. And she was like, William, I, I, can't, I can't move jobs. I'm, you know, this, that, and the other. I'm like, you're not listening to me you're going to be forced out. Absolutely. So just, just get there first, get a good job where people care. Yeah, it, it has to be part of who the company is, right? Right. And if it's not, they will find a way to, to eliminate it. 100%. Again, it becomes a nice to have, not a requirement. Yeah, yeah window dressing. 100%, right? It's, it's that, look what we did, right? But then yeah. they really stand firm behind that. If the company is <laughs> unwavering in their commitment, then you don't have to look for a new job. They're unwavering in their commitment. DEI, I say this, becomes part of their DNA, right? I, I, again, I, I, don't, I don't have a standalone position. I work with every department within this 10,200 and however many plus employee co company. And it's my responsibility to ensure that everyone understands that tying this into our core values is who we are. Yeah. Right? It's, Nobody's it's, saying, hey, we're going to go get, you know, we're going to get a new... Uh, CHRO, right? Maybe we should cut them because it's not part of our core values. Absolutely <laughs> not. It's, 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 it's a stable position within the organization. Our leaders believe in yeah. the work that we get to do and, I, and we stand firm in that. And, and for those who have companies that don't embed it into their core values, I think you gave me the right warning. Yeah, right? You, yeah. Take your talent. Do the LeBron James. Take your talent to South Beach. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I was, I was thinking as we were talking about window dressing, Kanye has a song where uh, he talks about put me in the front of the store when black folks come in. Yeah. It's like, that's window dressing. Window right? dressing. That's all that is, is mm -hmm. window dressing. Mm -hmm. And you can call it a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. But um, the advice that you would give someone that has their first DEI job. Yeah. Either a battlefield promotion or they're really passionate and they want to get into the bit. Mm -hmm. What would be the advice that you'd give, even your younger self? Yeah. What would that be? Build community. Find people in this space you can you can lean on and depend on to build that start building that network in that community um this work is not easy right um and it will require you to really really think differently about who you are how you're going to represent yourself and your company right you have to be in it for the long haul i tell people pack a lunch right <laughs> right and when you think about building sustainable plans start small but mighty right, right. start small but mighty 
we often jump into this space. I know I did. I jumped into this with some really lefty ideas. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, yeah. going to change the oh, world yeah. like oh, yeah. overnight. Boom. I learned real quick. <laughs> that was not that was no. not sustainable. No, right? no, no, no. Right. So you pack a lunch, prepare it, yourself, and build that community. You're going to need your network. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I got to ask you the favorite your favorite part of insights this year. Oh my gosh! First of all, the expo hall is amazing. I know, right? Uh, one of the clients has this super fantastic pink shoe. If you haven't seen the pink, it's all over my it's all over my LinkedIn. The pink shoe is my favorite spot. Now. Oh, I gotta I gotta do that. I, I feel like if people are looking for me at Insights, you will find me at the pink shoe. <laughs> Just totally hanging out. I've got like fifty million selfies. I'm pretty sure my iCloud is gonna be pretty full. We'll still have to buy some extra storage. It's the people though. I absolutely love the energy. I heard you say that this is like your twelfth Insights. Yep. Um, I, I'm a lifer at Ceridian, so I've got 20 years in. Insights is my favorite, favorite event of the year. I love the people. I love the energy. I talk to customers all the time. I, we're, we, I'm based out of Tampa, so I don't get a chance to see so many people right. all the time. But seeing the people that I work with every single day, it's the energy I absolutely love. And I want to take it on the road. Oh, I want, listen, to take a, I want to go to London. Listen, I want to go to South Africa. A couple years ago, we did the world tour, and that was amazing. I want to do that. I'm in. I want to do that, especially with customers. Just doing customers and product. Yeah. And and doing it doesn't have to be this big, mm -hmm, but just mm -hmm. doing it around the world. I've met some amazing customers. I, I mean, literally, listen to their stories. Um, I tell people I've, I've had several jobs in Ceridian's organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know every phase of the business. But being at Insights, feeling the energy from the customers, watching their excitement, being on the Vegas Strip and seeing the Ceridian brand, the Day Force brand, yep. uh, in the big lights, it really does make you proud. This is the company that I get to work for. That's right. That's right. And it's truly amazing. It's a great feeling to be here. I understand, you know, who we are as, as a core organization. And it just... It, that helps. It, it does. It gets me super excited to come back every year and to, and to share that enthusiasm with our customers. Chops mine. Walks off stage. Yes. Thank yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone for listening. Until next time.